calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Welcome to Frog How, where your hosts, Auden Rags. I know you're excited, Odd. I'm so excited. I it's number one, it's 9 p.m. and I am not dying and don't want to go to sleep. So there's one thing. Um, number two, uh, we interview Olive from Queer Skate Alliance this week, and it is a really great interview, and I'm so excited to share it with everyone. Um, Rags and I both have been, you know, not so secretly obsessed with QSA and um, we're really excited that we got the honor. I think that sounds really hilarious, but we got, we um, had the privilege of uh, talking to Olive about starting Queer Skate Alliance, um, about the importance of inclusivity. And they are a really smart and compassionate human. And I think that we can all learn a lot about um, how we can better push the skate community to evolve and dismantle a lot of problematic stuff um, that exists within our community um, and outside of our community uh, from Olive. And so I think it's just something that everybody should listen to and you will love it. So we give everybody the slow pitch. Tell us about yourself. Oh, um, just myself personally. Um, my name is Olive and I use they them pronouns and I started Queer Skate Alliance, which has been the number one thing on my plate uh, as of recently. But I also work at Wicked Skatewear and um, have been skating since I grew up and really love being involved in like the um, skate industry side of things as well as like the actually roller skating mm-hmm. side of things. Um, Queer Skate Alliance has been a lot of fun for a lot of different reasons, like the reasons that the project started kind of and where it has gotten now um, have been different. And so it's been kind of a cool, evolving, like learning process along the way. Um, But I just still love a lot of different aspects of skating and of the skate community, I suppose. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about what Queer Skate Alliance is? 
Sure. So when I started Queer Skate Alliance, I think the number one thing that stood out was that folks talked a lot in the skate community about um, like inclusion and that sort of thing. But the images that I was seeing didn't always resonate as far as being um, a queer. I still felt like we were sort of seeing only maybe one or two kind of representations. And so I'm um, kind of just like highlighting all the rad folks that I knew were doing things that kind of weren't getting that uh, appreciation, but also um, knowing that that was going to evolve, obviously, that like the things that we were talking about at the time, you know, I think sometimes you get those things figured out and then need to move on to the next things. And so that is going to be a constant process also. Um, but there are, for as much like progress as we've made in the skate community, there are a lot of things that are still a problem. So I think like it is just as much highlighting folks and the great work that they do as much as it is like seeing where there are still a lot of issues and kind of like working to build constructive ways to work through those um, and make ultimately safer and better skate communities for everybody. So what has been some of the biggest changes that you've seen? I would like to credit, you know, Queer Skate Alliance for a lot of the stuff that we've seen in the past few years, but like, what are some things that you are like most proud of? Ooh, uh, I'm always like, you know, like I suppose like kind of what's the next thing sort of thing. I think that the the Queer Skate Alliance game at RollerCon, while I learned a lot from it, was a really um, awesome moment. I think reflecting on it now, I realize how, um, how, how small that is to folks who don't attend RollerCon and whatnot, but truly like in the moment and on the ground at that event, the way that folks um, interacted in that team, I think opened a lot of people's eyes to the way that folks could interact within their team structure kind of getting together and um, saying your pronouns before you did anything else and sort of just like having the space where everyone like knew they were queer but I guess in like different ways and sort of being able to embrace that and um, you know I think sometimes standing around a lot of folks that look very different remind you how reminds you how different that queer can look um, which is important for a lot of people and I think that um, the other thing that was really interesting was that when we started having conversations through Queer Skate Alliance, like coffee and chaos and some of those things, or even just like putting up question box on, you know, Instagram or whatever, um, was that like a lot of folks didn't really feel like they were like enough kind of for their community, sort of this notion of feeling queer enough. And I think that that looks like all different ways. So not that could be like a million segues, but um, that's really been a thing that has come up a lot or that we keep kind of coming back to is like making sure that 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 kind of represents all of the many ways that queer uh, can look like in the skating community. And so, you know, you're talking also about a lot of things that need to change in the future. So what are some, like, some things that you're seeing as some of the biggest problems that we need to start tackling next? Um, I think, like, we're definitely in a time where we know that we need to uh, listen to black voices more. That includes black queer voices, that includes black trans voices, um, and, and yeah, black queer voices in the myriad of ways that that can look, um, like queer voices in general. So that's super important. Um, I know that I mentioned to y'all that accessibility and whatnot has just been really important. The ways in which Queer Skate Alliance can bring in more uh, captioning or more like um, ASL inter interpreters where that's a, you know, a possibility or those kind of things, that's been important even just with rollouts and like having spaces that are wheelchair accessible or making sure that that is also something that folks keep in mind. I don't know that I see that um, being kept in mind in a lot of other like skate meetups and things. So that has kind of evolved that way too. I think, I think we talk like a lot about, you know, diversity and inclusion committees and that kind of stuff. These kind of like policy ways that we can be maybe more inclusive to queers, but I don't think that that happens on like the ground level as often as folks think. Like I think a lot of folks still get misgendered. I know a lot of folks still get misgendered. I still get misgendered. Um, a lot of things you have to like 
sign up that you are a male or female skater to like even participate. So sometimes just like structurally built into the way that you can even sign up to skate for a thing. There's this real like binary um, assumption or like thing that takes place. So it, yeah, sometimes as simple as that, but also in these really complex ways and just the different ways that people identify. Uh, yeah. And I think, so I saw, you know, the, you saying that um, you wanted to do more work around accessibility um, based activism and things like that. And it, it, you know, it made me think of um, a lot of the work that Smacktivist has been doing from Gotham around um, being more inclusive around neurodiversity, um, especially in coaching, which is, you know, not something I think that neurotypical people to like really think about, um, even just in like practice. Um, And I, yeah, it's made me really open my eyes into what accessibility can look like and what inclusion in those spaces um, in terms of accessibility looks like too. Yeah, big time. I definitely have learned a lot from the things that Max shares and um, about their experience, but also the work that they do and kind of unpacking some of those things for sure. I know that QSA is doing like really amazing stuff because I, I'm the person that's reposting everything on the Instagram page. But uh, could you just like walk us through like what are some like things that you're doing for the skate community, like by and large? Like I, I know that you have... Um, like you're, you have a, a seminar, Knapsack. So I guess like different projects kind of going on right now. Um, the Knapsack Collective project will be going on Saturday. Um, and that is with Max and with Bonnie Thunders and OMG and with uh, Bonds who used to skate for uh, VRDL. And we'll be unpacking specifically like whiteness and the structures of whiteness that keep folks um, in situations that are shitty quite frankly. Um, And so really embarking on that. I think that there are a lot of different ways that folks talk about um, like things that are happening to black skaters, but not the ways in which white people hold up those structures and take part in those actions. And so um, we are really specifically looking at the ways in which white people play a role in those things in the skate community that like continue to oppress black people and then other um, marginalized communities, you know, as well, but particularly black people and black skaters. Um, so the Knapsack project is one before we launched that we were really focused on a project that I had called like safe skate project. Um, the pandemic like is still happening right now. And I, I do know that a lot of folks like skate um, for mental health reasons or for or that like activity is a great release for that. But I think that it's really important to focus on um, just ways to do that safe. I think like the rules for where everyone's at, you know, depending on location can vary. So like for some folks that's a mask and for some folks that's not the case in their area, maybe it's going on a solo skate or whatever it is, but just really focusing on the ways that um, we can be safe through the pandemic and skating. I guess that as I sort of focused on that, I thought about that, like, that would be probably something we should be doing anyways. Like, that's good for the pandemic, but also, like, there are a lot of resources to keep folks safe if they're going to be starting to skate. Like, safety looks a lot of different ways to a lot of different folks. So that could be promoting safety equipment at shops. Um, Five Stride had offered to work with Queer Skate Alliance to do like a 5% off, you know, helmet type thing for any new skater. So even just like small stuff to get folks access to safety gear could be, um, you know, a good focus in the future as we hopefully move out of pandemic world, um, you know, eventually. <laughs> but mm-hmm. that is an, also an evolving thing for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, because like, roller skate sales are like skyrocketing right now. So having that sort of resource is actually really important because now is not the time to be going to a hospital. Now is not the time to be getting hurt. 
exactly. Yeah, I think that's kind of a part of the equation that maybe folks miss sometimes. Like even if you are just going out, you know, safe and by yourself, you could always have an accident and fall. So we've really been kind of promoting, um, you know, whatever pads you do feel comfortable wearing. I know that looks different to folks too, but whatever you have, whatever is comfortable um, and then helping folks get access to stuff if they don't have safety gear because gear is expensive. Um, yeah. And yeah, expensive. for sure. Yeah, that's definitely like a barrier to entry skate shops being like totally you know busy and sold out of skates is very weird in this like dynamic of pandemic life also and that's been a weird thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean I and also like thinking about safe skating like I um so I live in like a city and close to the pandemic um and I mean we're in the epicenter in New Jersey and um I have been going out on skates because or have, wasn't allowed to go outside to exercise because of our um, state policy in our city policy um, until a couple of weeks ago. And then I've been going outside to skate and it's been really nice and wonderful, but I'm also like super aware of like my mask and like people just like are pretending that the pandemic doesn't exist. They're like outside with huge groups of people and no mask on, no nothing. And I'm like, it just is so, it's like, yeah. It makes me so anxious. It's rather alarming. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's definitely like, a, it feels like a lot of folks have forgotten that it's still a thing, but it's still a thing. Yes. It's and it's still a thing, folks. Still a yeah. thing. Yeah. And I just like, I'm also super, like the most clumsy human. Um, Ags can attest to this. Um, and I think it's a queer thing though. It's just like, <laughs> I'm just like all like jelly limbs. <laughs> <laughs> um and I like fall so much and my partner every time I leave to go skate he's like you need to wear a helmet and I'm like but it's so hot and he's like literally you fall walking without skates on can you please sure. put more pads on and I'm like fine yeah you just never know um like ironically enough my partner and I have a dog so the only time that we were leaving the house for a period of time was like to walk the dog so my partner fell on the corner with the dog and like totally busted knee like open type thing, like probably needed at least one stitch, but we weren't going to do an urgent care right now type thing. And then like a week later, I fell in the same spot and busted the same knee. So like even not skating, right? Like walking your dog, weird, weird shit can happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also fell like totally sober and knocked out like, all, like my, all my front teeth. So like, I am, I'm with you. I really do need pads like on all the time. For sure. Yeah, and like so I, I think it's I really, I think it's really good that you're like, emphasizing that because I think I watch videos of like estrogen you know and she's like going out and she looks super amazing and like doing backflips and like wearing only skates and I'm like mm, I could do that like that's sure. not true at all I think that like the debate to wear pads or not will probably be around in the skating world forever you know like some folks feel comfortable in it and some don't honestly with bikes it's kind of the same way like some people are going to wear their helmet every time and some people just like aren't they're just not um I do think that like it's kind of cool to showcase how like safety equipment and stuff can be part of that process to getting it to look really good too. Like sometimes that really final version probably took like 75 falls and maybe knee pads and maybe two busted sets of wrist guards or like whatever it was. And I think that there's kind of like a, I don't know, like a humbleness in that too. So kind of part of the skating experience that I like, I think. But yeah, emphasizing, I think there's a lot of folks joining skating right now not to play derby. Like I know that the derby folks don't want to hear that and I'm super sorry to tell you, but like one thing that we're seeing like even at Wicked for sure is um, outdoor skates. Like nobody quite frankly wants like intro derby skates right now. They're specifically looking for like tall boot, outdoor, you know, fun type skating, park skating, that kind of stuff. So like, yeah, emphasizing 
wearing stuff while you're learning to skate outside and skate curbs and do grinds and stuff is probably not a bad idea. But, you know, ultimately I'll never win the argument of like, should skaters wear their gear? Because I think that will probably be around forever. So safe skating overall is a good thing to promote, I think, for like a lot of different, a lot of different reasons. Well, I also like safe skating because it's not just about gear. It's about knowing about your skates. It's about sure. knowing you should cross train and you should stretch and you should be doing other things because skating can hurt you in different ways and you're using muscles that you're not used to. So like when, when you rolled this out, when QSA rolled this out and I noticed, you know, there was this emphasis on this isn't just about pads. This is about skating overall and being healthy overall with skating. For you sure. know, and if that means cross training, that means hydrating extra because you're going out in the midday sun, however that needs to look so you can safely skate. For sure. That's important. I, I really do think that is important because I think that we, we get into a hobby and we kind of just throw ourselves at it and we kind of forget that a lot of things need to happen in order for us to partake in it safely, especially during a pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. I think it also led me to really thinking about the ways in which we maybe let folks down once they've been skating a while and then have been injured. Um, like I have had personal experiences with that, but you know, like kind of giving folks those tools, um, whether they're things that are uplifting or like you said, things that are about maybe mental health or hydration or even some of those basic tools that can really help if you're like home and injured and uh, you know, like laid up from skating for a while because that happens to even the best of skaters like eventually. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it got me thinking about how that would be a, a good tool for even folks who skated and maybe got injured or again, like beyond pandemic life and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about my poor feet. I have like uh, really bad blisters on the bottom of them from not skating and my callus is going away. And oh, I'm no. just like, <laughs> and I, yeah, I mean, and I think the rags and I both have been injured or had surgery or something and come back and it is always really weird and your body is almost like new and mm -hmm. thinking about kind of trying to come back or even if you just get a new pair of skates like mm -hmm. I switched to um moxie boots and got and then replaced the plate and then got sliders and then like all of those changes made my skates feel so different and even then you're like I don't like it's about knowing your skate and how it feels and like what you can do on it at first and before you go crazy and you know try backflips sure. yeah for sure for that process to get there <laughs> what you don't go straight for the backflip like I that's my go-to I will never do a backflip I have never in my, my life, life done a no. backflip I'm too scared I think I would break my neck maybe on a trampoline I, I, I like I might have lied like maybe on a trampoline but that's about it, it like, oh, I, gives I would me totally do a front flip <laughs> yeah no, no I like can't be upside down it's like a, the whole thing Sure. I failed out of gymnastics as a child because I wouldn't go upside down. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I, beyond like the safe skate project and stuff, I think prior to that was really like a Q&A type stuff and highlighting each skater. I think uh, it seemed like I kind of saw an influx in Q&A type stuff after that, which was pretty rad because I think that there's a lot of folks skating who do awesome stuff that we don't get to know about. So it's been cool to see people share more about like who's on their team and um, kind of what they stand for and like why they skate and some of those reasons too. Um, I think that like groups like Queer Skate Alliance or BIPOC Who Skate have kind of like, I think like ushered in an era where that's kind of important to be honest. Like I think a lot of folks skated without their story really being 
like told for a long time. And I do think that people benefited off of that for a long time too. So it's rad to see folks kind of empowered and then also like starting their own different things, podcasts or projects or other skate groups or like local skate groups, like Queer Skate Alliance doesn't necessarily have chapters or anything, but there are definitely folks who have thought it was rad and who have like found a pocket of queer skaters in their own city or whatever. And I think that's exactly what it's meant to inspire. And that should probably look different everywhere, you know? And I'm smiling like a crazy person because I am like super excited because, you know, I came into the skating world, like knowing almost nothing um, and about like roller skating at all or derby or park skating or anything and then kind of coming in through QSA and like finding all of these like people who are being highlighted um through you all like really opened up my eyes which is like it's so exciting and also like you know uh BIPOC who skate like they also have done like such a good job in like highlighting all the different types of people who skate. And I just like, it makes me, it really does make me so excited for all the people who are doing roller skating now. And like also all of the white people who have been taking up space in roller skating communities are now sure. being pushed aside in like this like amazing way. And it makes me so happy because it's like all these like new amazing skaters that I've, I haven't seen before and I get to like uh I like my Instagram I like go and it used to be just like dogs but now (laughs) but now it's like all these amazing crazy skaters like I just like I'm so excited that's really cheesy but like it makes me I'm also PMSing so I'm gonna mics are crying because I'm so excited but yeah I just like I think it's really amazing I oh I'm repeating myself because I'm really excited but (laughs) No, it's awesome that it's had that impact for folks. Yeah. I think that like it, it's folks didn't want to say or address or admit for something for a while, or I guess people were bringing it up and no one was listening. I think that would maybe be better stated um, that like the, the image that we've been like feeding people of skating has looked the same for like a, a long time. And it, that's not what's happening on the ground. And I think a lot of us who skate or who find roller derby find it because we maybe don't like fit in, in certain other circles and stuff. So I think that that community looks even more unique and has even more like layers to it. So to present this like single image of what a derby skater looks like or whatever is really like selling a lot of folks short because there's just so much more Um, to a lot of communities than that and I will say that I think it's interesting when like any brand or organization or group or anything in the roller derby or skating community like like says that they are that kind of in touch with their community but then like struggles so much to like to like find those people or to like actually be in touch with those people like if you are in fact that ingrained with community then those people are right there you know like the you shouldn't have to look for them that hard I think that exists like beyond algorithms and all those kinds of things I think that has a lot more to do with being like actually engaged with your community at like a ground level Mm -hmm. than like yeah anything that happens on the internet or anything like that so yeah I mean that's like I feel like every single like league that I've been a part of in some way like or um or just like a skating group it definitely that has like echoed a lot and it's just like well we don't know we don't know how but we are really inclusive yeah, I think that the word inclusion probably needs a, a real solid unpacking. That's uh, tune in, tune in Saturday. <laughs> that's, that's that episode. But yeah, I think we use those terms really loosely, but that doesn't really look different on the ground level with folks skating in a lot of different ways. Yeah, it also is just like if if you had to say that you're inclusive, then you're 
probably not. And if like, if you really have to go out of your way to say it, then like, it's not. And I'm not sorry for calling people out on that. Yeah. Yeah. I've thought about that a lot with folks kind of like being not sure not whether they should post some kind of a Black Lives Matter statement and like getting it right or not. What comes to mind is like, you're not so worried that you're going to get the statement wrong. You're worried that it's going to expose that you have been not doing good at this for like a long time. Like that's actually the issue here. You're worried that it's going to highlight the fact that your league doesn't have inclusion, that like it's been easy to make posts, but the minute you post that, people are going to call you on it because there are people who have been booted out of your league or who have left or who have, you know, been through really shitty things with this league or whatever league. And so, yeah, I think that that has been really capitalized on kind of recently. Yeah, it really has. But this actually brings up a really good question of why inclusion is important in the skating community. I mean, I know that we know, but sometimes just knowing that we know isn't good enough. We actually have to like spell it out because I think a lot of people think that they're inclusive they're not and then they're like it's fine though no it's not fine it's important yeah I suppose the I don't know I wish more of those people realized how much it really hurts people on like a deeply personal level I mean I'm a big feely person so that just makes like that would just be bummed for people but people don't seem to get that I think people get blinded by their own um I don't know, skating ego trip and like a number of things, to be honest. I think that, I mean, like, why is inclusion important? Like you said, we know, but I think ultimately, like, because when you don't, like exclusion is painful and exclusion is costly and exclusion in the skate community might look like just being not at practice, but exclusion in general for people can look like, like really ugly and like sometimes like loss of life. So I think that like, it's easy to like not have conversations about that. But I think that like, to not exist in a lot of privilege, like to go on. It's like when folks ask like, well, why can't it just be skating? You know, like, why can't we just like not worry about some of these issues? It's like, well, what a privilege to like not have to worry about any of these other things, you know, but that's just not the experience for a number of folks. And so, um, and it causes like real damage and real hurt um, for folks at the skating level. And like, yeah, like really on a serious level sometimes too, to be honest. Yeah. Well, it's like, I feel as if historically, and even present day skating is in itself like a really sort of revolutionary thing in how it has opened up a lot of venues, how the black community has basically, you know, they basically made it a thing, you know, with the jam skating, the dance skating, um, like across the board, skating itself is political. And to say that it's not political is incorrect because it has actually really done a lot politically, I think, for a lot of the people in like a lot of skaters in leagues and even outside of leagues, you know, because reclaiming your body, reclaiming yourself, feeling strong and empowered as femmes, femme identifying, um, genderqueer people is empowering and it is political to regain that and actually feel like you're emboldened to go ahead and do something. Yeah, absolutely. I think like you mentioned, like um, by nature of a lot of skate culture coming from black skating rinks and whatnot, the fight to keep a rink against gentrification and against segregation and whatnot is political in and of itself. So to deny that is to deny like a huge piece of skating history. Um, Yeah. And then we see that manifested unfortunately in a lot of ways today in in rinks still, but also in like derby culture and stuff and the way that that's kind of evolved and in the, in the ways that park skating has evolved and the way that jam skating has evolved and yeah, agreed. Yeah. So basically we just have to keep being political 
you know, keep feeling emboldened, but emphasis on emboldened and amplifying also marginalized people when you're being emboldened. If you have the chance to do it, do it. I just, but I like also want to say like my gender identity and someone's race and like, or sexual identity, like that is, it isn't like political and it's not a choice. And I, I just hate how it is seen as like another thing that is like a league or a community has to do to Mm -hmm. like, you know, like we have to do this to like, you know, be PC or whatever. I mean, I'm just maybe having a little bit of flashbacks. So feeling a little touchy about this. Well, Um, it shouldn't be a chore. Yeah. You know, this, this shouldn't have to feel like a necessity. This should just feel like something that is happening, you know, naturally. And we shouldn't have to be having conversations around this also, you know, but we are. Right. And I think, well, and I, and I, I'm thinking about the, like, what they do in Canada before, like, events, they, um, you know, acknowledge that a lot of places exist on First Nation land, and they explain that to the crowd and explain what tribe the land, who used to live there. And, I mean, and now that has become, like, a normal practice, and I would like to see things like that happening where we all live and, you know, in regards to like pronouns and, um, and even like indigenous people, like, like I want everybody to be, this shouldn't be a chore to like feel, make people feel included. Like it's amazing to me to see like, just like this year really seeing pro like correct pronouns being used for skaters at like large tournaments and events. And, like, people working on pronouncing, like, skater names and team names correctly when they weren't in English and things like that. Like, and that happened this year. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, that's kind of what I was getting at earlier. Like, folks think that there's been, like, so much progress, but, like, there are so many of those things that are very new. Or, like, if you ask uh, trans skaters, you know, what their experience was, like, five years ago versus now, it is, like, totally, like, night and day. Um, I think that... uh, to not work on more inclusive spaces is also not, I mean, I, I acknowledge that I exist in a bubble where a lot of my folks, uh, like, or a lot of my the folks around me, like, talk about these issues or are, you know, like, focused on social justice issues and really have this at the forefront of their mind. But I do really, I wouldn't be doing, I wouldn't be so involved with Queer Skate Alliance if I also didn't really believe that, like, this is just the way that things are headed and that like this is the way that the future is going like when I work with any kids ever and like junior roller derby type stuff like they ask each other pronouns and they're so excited to hear mine and like they're honestly just like there with so many other things that that like we weren't or that I wasn't even five years ago and whatnot admittedly so like um I think that I think that like we're heading there in general like that is a larger societal shift to kind of like break down these things that uh that like hold people back or that assume that they only exist one way and to really like make these spaces more accessible to folks across so many different levels because I think if you don't I don't think we'll have roller derby in five years like I think for me it's very like we can either figure this out or like a lot of us are going to be like no I don't I'm I'm, going to put my effort somewhere else because we deserve to be in a world where people like have spaces to feel comfortable and access to the things that they need to thrive and stuff you know so like I don't know I mean I guess for me sorry roller derby but like if we can't figure it out then like it's going to be the queer something else alliance like this something else with an s I don't know I'll have to figure it out but like that work is important you know like beyond that um so 
I think that's kind of a shift that we're going to see across a lot of things. I think it needed to happen in the world of derby and skate culture, but that is also happening across the board. People are asking like where their money goes and who owns what they want to invest in and where they fit into that picture. And if it's something that's actually for them, you know, by people who look like them or not and like why that is and they're challenging a lot of these things at a lot of structural levels and so i kind of just hope that continues <laughs> yeah Same. i that's all that i want i just want out of any of the things that are happening i mean i want like change long-term change but just like sustainability like it isn't just for now that these things need to happen again it's like not an appeasement to just like me but like to be kind and respectful to everybody's existence. Yeah, for sure. And um, I, I guess I am personally like inspired by like junior derby and younger skaters a lot because Absolutely. often when I struggle with conversations with like folks who've been around in derby a little bit longer or who are just really unwilling to budge on these things, I'm like, honestly, like it's not for me. Like, like you said, like I, at some point I'm like, I don't care what you call me. Like these kids all get it, you know, and that's like they're moving up and going to boot you out of the way anyways. So like, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that sounds very nice, but like that is just how people age through the mm -hmm. process. Yeah. So. I mean, they're like, honestly, our junior skaters are like incredible, like athletes, just like they're all, they, they just make me so proud. They like do things I will never be able to do. And also just like, like you said, it's like, they are just like open to whatever. Like, you're just yeah. like, you need to ask someone's pronouns before you, you know, talk to them, like say your pronouns when you introduce yourself and they're like, cool, whatever. And I like, yeah. and we have like skaters who like date each other. And I like, wouldn't have ever been comfortable at their age, like being sure. open about that stuff at all. And I'm just like, so proud of like all of our little cute queer babies <laughs> absolutely I feel that way also <laughs> somebody the other day told me that queer skate alliance followed them on instagram and they like peaked as a baby queer and I was like oh my god like that's it I, I made it <laughs> yeah that's the kind of influence you want to leave you know I don't know or hearing you say things like you know finally opening up Instagram and like flipping through and even just like seeing maybe faces that you resonate with a little bit better or or like stories that you know yeah resonate a little bit better that's great to know that's exactly what it's for and what it should be doing hopefully so I just said like I am so passionate in my like I mean, like, my skating life is my personal life, but, like, my personal life in other places and, like, my professional life are all about, like, addressing injustice and inequality, and I think that all my, I mean, I hope that other people feel that is kind of their life, too, but it also should be in our skate communities, and I, I didn't, it, I was like really sorely disappointed that there wasn't more diversity or that like, you know, when we had a black skater come that everybody was like, oh my gosh, we have to keep them, yeah. you know, like, and I'm just like, and it's uh, just frustrating because like that's, yeah. we also are in New Jersey, which is the most diverse state. Like we should have a more diverse community and like in the skate world, like it, it's embarrassing. Sure. I think that like, as I sort of like unpack some of it on my own, even to just have this chat on Saturday, I think a lot about the way that the community kind of like pegs itself as revolutionary or as like, um, 
uh, yeah, kind of like progressive in this way, but it is really rooted in white feminism. Like I think if we're, a lot of us are honest, like that's how we got here, you know, and that has needed to evolve. And so therefore like Derby has needed to evolve. And so um, even in talking and challenging, like uh, in challenging like VR and that kind of thing, like that kind of conversation comes up, you know, like that team really stemmed out of a lot of like early, like DIY feminist building around the sport that was important but like the way that people talk about feminism five years ago you know and now is is different too so that has also needed to evolve and I think the folks who like came here for that reason came to roller derby for that reason and then like forgot that that needed to keep evolving are like like wait what happened like it's different <laughs> it's like I mean, it kept it did. evolving like I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I, there's a technical wave number yeah. now but like we kept going you know <laughs> it's how things go we keep moving and changing and I mean like Ideally, we took yeah. like I mean Crenshaw and Hill Collins wrote about intersectionality you know like in the 90s it you know only took you know, 30 years for people to start really, well, white people to really catch on to that and see why it was important. And so, sure. yeah, I just like, maybe we can just start like decreasing that gap a little. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, it's funny because when I came to Derby, I was like a baby queer, um, like just starting to think about my sexuality more other than just like passing as straight. Um, newsflash to past rags. I wasn't straight. Um, but like, as I started to like grow and evolve into the queer that I am today, at first I thought that roller derby was like this haven and it was so awesome and it's so cool. And look, I can explore my sexuality. And now I'm at the stage where it's like, okay, I am like a full grown queer now. I've accepted my gender new identity. I am engaged to a woman. Roller derby needs to work on a lot of shit. Yeah, for sure. You know, but like it, I, it just kind of hit me as, as both you and I were talking that when I first joined, it really did feel like a haven of inclusivity. And like, this is a safe space for me to figure out myself, figure out my sexuality, figure out my needs, figure out who I want to be and where I want to be in the world. And now after a few years of playing, I'm like, this is not exactly, this is not at all what I thought it was going to be. And by that, I mean, like, it needs to be a lot more than what it is now. Yeah, agreed. It really needs to evolve and, and catch up like pretty bad. Yeah. But I can relate to that experience as well. Like, I think that there's been a lot um, of my own, yeah, just like understanding around being non-binary and whatnot that has happened from both QSA and just like being involved in the Derby community. I think for me, that was kind of how I found my local queer community. Like I had moved across the States and I needed to move away from being like in bar like queer life, like out of the bar and drinking queer life. And so roller derby was queers who weren't out of the bar and that was great. And so I felt, yeah, like you said, like it was kind of a safe haven in that, in that regard. And I think that the folks, a lot of folks that I know now who came to it for that reason are, yeah, realizing how deeply rooted in, in white feminism it is. And uh, that needs to change for just a lot of reasons. Yeah, I'm very, I'm just exhausted uh, from fighting from the inside and like when you're just like I like maybe I'll leave derby I'm like I love the sport so much and I love like my tiny community that I've built from it but also like I am very tired of having to argue about like 
why I'm valid and why it's important to really incorporate inclusion and divert why diversity is very important and like access and um, equity and things like that are really important. And it shouldn't be a thing like a second thought, like we should be doing it. Like why we yeah. should respect pronouns. Mm-hmm. That should, yeah. you know, that should be the easiest one anyway. Um, yeah. yeah. I just like, I, yeah, I think Derby needs to, and the skating community needs to catch up because I'm, I'm really, I'm really tired and I can't imagine how someone with a, with more marginalized identities would feel, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, like, again, one of the things that I guess we'll sort of be getting at on Saturday is just, um, you know, like, I think that a lot of the kind of governing bodies, whether you want to call that WUFTA or MURDA or whether you want to call that like the league structure, like whoever sits kind of at like the board of directors or the, you know, whoever, whatever is organizing a league. Um, I think that folks keep waiting for those like policy changes to kind of come from the top there, like whether that's WUFTA and then each of the leagues or whether like your league owner or whatever, you know, puts something in place and then folks kind of fall in line. And I just don't think that my personal politics like believe that that's going to be how it happens anymore. Like, I think that we've really got to get people like thinking about these things on a much more personal level and and truly like unpacking some of these things at a much, much more fundamental, like one-on-one kind of level so that they can even build the tools that are right for their own league and stuff because this doesn't look the same at a league um i'm from the midwest so like this doesn't look the same back home as it does out here now that i'm in los angeles um that's always very clear to me uh, it's like a lot of the smaller midwest leagues um or just yeah a lot of the smaller leagues outside of big cities get kind of left out of that equation and stuff sometimes so I think that um, I am also involved in like some WUFTA work. Um, I'm on the DNI committee for WUFTA and I'm technically an accountability partner. Uh, Queer Skate Alliance is an accountability partner for WUFTA. But I think that one thing that I struggle with transparently even there is just that, yeah, that fight between kind of like changing policy stuff versus like getting people to really understand this is like beyond policy. This is like, it's not kind of like you said, you shouldn't begrudgingly be like, oh, I guess I got to make my DNI like, you know, group now because that's what's important for roller derby. It's like, no, this is like important on a fundamental level. Like you are actively engaged with holding people down and not allowing them to thrive. You know, um, And so, yeah, getting people those tools on a more ground level is super important. Yeah. And I think also that that part is really essential in order to like create that buy-in in order for like, even if the policies get created to like be enforced properly um, and people to actually like abide by them. Um, yeah, and I think that creating that buy-in and that understanding and teaching why people need to be empathetic um, is, you know, that is like a like a vital piece of the puzzle that I think a lot of times we are missing because that is why people are like, well, I guess I have to ask this person's pronouns. Sure. A lot of leagues reach out for like, um, kind of like how to social media type things. Like leagues want to say the right thing. And to some extent, like I get that leagues want to say the right thing. But on the other hand, like I mentioned before, sometimes I think it's a lot more about exposing the fact that they're not handling it correctly where this like fear about posting the wrong thing comes in. But I also usually urge them to like, like don't just post about it. Like it's great that you posted that trans lives matter. But when somebody comes to your league, they have to check male or female in a box. So like, you know, like there is just this big disconnect between what you're putting up online or like what that facade is and like what it looks like structurally at your league too. So it's like, if you get it at the unpacking level, then it's time to start putting it into policy, but you have to like get some of those pieces kind of rolling or get folks to start thinking about how they're involved in that, in that process. 
um, when they don't think that they are or when they don't think that they're contributing to it in any way. <laughs> that is, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's kind of where some of it has to start for some folks, I think. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this interview as much as we did. Um, if you want to reach out to us, you can email us at frowpalpodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on social media on Facebook and Instagram at frowpalpodcast. Um, and we will also in, include some links to um, Queer Skate Alliance and the awesome Knapsack series they are putting on. Um, and you should really check them out. And as always, friends, don't be a don't dick. Don't be a dick. That was, it was off time, but it was the same 